This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and December 31st, please consider making a year-end tax-deductible gift. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the discerning journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that face past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. Good to be with you always. We are entering in an exciting time, uh, the week before Christmas. This year, in particular, in when we're recording in 2022, we have a whole week after the fourth Sunday to kind of ponder and get ourselves ready. That's it's quite a gift, isn't it? Uh, it is. This is as long as Advent can be. Still, it seems like it's gone by quickly. But uh, we do have um, have this fourth week, and the Lord is near, we know, and, and we'll have ways to experience his uh, presence in our lives uh, this week as we move towards the, the beautiful Feast of Christmas. I can only speak, of course, my experience in my own parish, but it's been wonderful to see families not only returning, but new faces, new people that are beginning to fill up our pews again. Isn't it wonderful? It is. I think some uh, people, for the for whatever reason, by it's God's grace, of course, but it's whatever's stirring in, in them personally, I'll feel drawn to the Lord these days. We find that as we come looking for him, he's come looking for us, and that's, the, that's what we celebrated in this, uh, in this season, and he makes himself accessible. When we feel the, the, the desire, the urge to come close to the Lord, that's not something that, that will be frustrated. The, the, the Lord is there, as I say, waiting for us and looking, looking for us, and he makes himself uh, available to us as our uh, brother and our Savior. Yeah, this is a time of much activity, but also maybe a lot of emotion, Deep down inside, they're talking to coworkers, maybe in settings outside of work because we have times to celebrate. We being able to see neighbors or family members, and it's a great opportunity for us in a caring way to begin to share our faith, and not to do it necessarily in a excuse me when I say this in your face way, but in a way that's really inviting and welcoming. Because that's the way the Lord Himself does it when we. Recall his coming with um, great humility at, at, at Christmas. Uh, it's not a coming in our face at all. It's uh, God's gentle way of entering into the human experience, into the human family, 
in the person of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. So he offers to us a relationship with him. He proposes uh, to us as we go along in our faith, a, a life of discipleship, and we have the opportunity to embrace that uh, or not. Uh, the hope is that the beauty of this season gives us encouragement that, that we do want to embrace a deeper relationship with, with the Lord ourselves. And then by the way that we live and by loving relationships with others, invite them uh, closer to the Lord too. Uh, he doesn't impose himself on us and we shouldn't impose him on anybody else either. Uh, we get anxious about uh, people that we love and we feel maybe that they're separated from the Lord or that they don't have God in their life. We worry that they're missing something really important and life-giving. At the same time, we can't force that on them. We can be inviting, encouraging, and then we have to expect divine intervention. We have to expect the grace of God to work on them. This is the God who has come as their Savior, too, the God who loves them even more than we do. What an incredible way he breaks into our lives and, well, into our human experience in this incarnation to a, in the womb of a young girl, a young family. Just the, the drama of it all that we hear played out in this extra long week, this wonderful time leading up to Christmas. We don't want to lose that, do we? It's a beautiful part of our of our Catholic faith to enter into the mystery of the of the incarnation of, of the Lord's coming uh, among us at, at, as man. At the same time, we know that Jesus is not a baby now, and as beautiful as it is to understand his first coming in, in Bethlehem, we encounter him in, in different ways in the church. But it's it's the same Lord and uh, encounter him really. So we we don't want to over sentimentalize our relationship with him. Christmas can be a very sentimental feast, and it's okay, you know. It, it, there's so much beauty that that surrounds the celebration of the feast. And as we recall the coming of Jesus in Bethlehem, it teaches us something important about God's design, God's loving plan for us. We have the opportunity then to enter into a relationship with Jesus as he comes to us now in our own prayer and especially in, in our life together in the church and in the church's sacraments. You've been so wonderful in encouraging us to first begin with our own hearts, to have our own relationship with Christ first, to know him so that when we're passing him on to others, our experience of him, it's coming from an authentic place. We're not selling a product in the church, and we're not really just trying to fill up the pews. We love, when, love it when the pews are full, but it's not. we're not trying to gain a market share you know, of, of religion or, or of anything else. We have the privilege in the church of, of introducing people to a person, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have the privilege of of inviting them into a relationship with him. It's really not going to be possible for us to do that if we don't have that ourselves first. Our relationship with him is based on his initiative and also on our response. And our response, because we're individuals, it it varies. The the Lord desires a a personal relationship with each of us, meets us where, where we are. We shouldn't think that we have to be already recognized as a saint, you might say, before we can share the life of Jesus with others, even if we're just beginning. A joy, really, and a a blessing to to be able to witness to what we have experienced in in Jesus. We hope then that that might stir up in, in someone else a desire to experience what we have experienced.
It is a, a time where families start to reconnect. And unfortunately, sometimes in the family, it is also a time of tension. It's part of what it is to be human, isn't it? To have possibly some conflicts. How can we, in desiring this, being able to pass on the Christ message to others and his experience in our lives, bring that into those conversations when they can be in tense situations? We have to invite the Lord into our own lives and into our own dispositions. Uh, we have our pluses and minuses, you know, and that Jesus isn't afraid of those things. He, he comes to, to be with, with us. And then we, we bring him into our relationships with, with others. There may or may not be an opportunity in conversation to, to talk about our faith depending on the situation and depending on the receptivity of, uh, of others. And they might find it, feel it's an imposition or feel awkward if we were attempting to draw them into a conversation about faith that they weren't really prepared uh, to, to have. Again, we may have the opportunity to share something that we have experienced ourselves or to focus our, our own celebration to the extent that we can influence it in our families around the, the religious truths that we celebrate. There's a lot of materialism and, as you say, a lot of emotion that's, that's connected with the, the secular celebration of Christmas, if we, if we, if we could call it that. So, it, you know, none of us can single-handedly straighten all that out. What we realize when, when families gather or when we're together with other friends, sometimes relationships are strained. Uh, all of us are sinners. It's a reminder that we do need a Savior. And for ourselves, at least, who believe in, in Jesus as, as our Savior, to renew our own faith in him and to ask him to come in humility, as he does at Bethlehem, but also in power, uh, as he has now as, as our risen Lord, to, to heal uh, what's, what's broken, but we're not capable of healing ourselves, whether it's in us or among us. In these particular gatherings that we're having with family members or friends or whatever that might be, the conversations may come up for those who are Catholic, Catholic family members, who may not have been, as we understand it, maybe practicing their faith as fully as they could be. There might be some issues that they feel that they're struggling with. Maybe it's a divorce situation in the family or there's some type of estrangement. How would you counsel those who are hearing you now and they want to help offer that invitation to come on back? I'll walk with you. I'll accompany you and we'll, we'll find out what we can do. I think that the offer to walk with somebody is, is a good one if you have credibility with that person, you know, if, you, if there is a, a relationship. A big so holiday celebration, a big family gathering is probably not the best place to have a conversation a, a, a about these things. That Sometimes it comes up anyway, but I, I think, you know, we should lower our expectations, uh, be willing to listen, and then maybe just ask, you know, is there a way that I can assist you or is there something that, that I can pray for? Uh, for you, begin that way. Um, maybe somebody will be able to say yes, offer something, maybe won't. It's like we plan for these holiday gatherings, you know, prepare food and buy gifts. It, it's good to plan in prayer for the encounters we're going to have with immediate family, extended family, you know, that we people live all over the place, and maybe we don't see each other very, very often, and maybe our communication is by text, usually, or maybe by phone. But we usually know who we're going to be with. And it's these few days before Christmas. It's not too soon to, to just think, picture those people in our prayer and ask uh, the, the Lord to be with them and then ask him to show us 
how we might be with them, as he is in, in humility, with a desire for their good. Maybe what the Lord shows us is that there'll be a, a chance to have a conversation, and maybe there, maybe there won't be. If we invite him into that relationship and and invite us, ask him to show us the opportunities that we might have to to touch someone else for, for good, I think he'll he'll show that to us. We'll return to why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas, in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. There's nothing quite like just being present at that meal or that gathering and just being kind, listening, and maybe there'll be a door for coffee next week or the a few weeks later, and they'll be a little bit more open because you weren't exactly overly aggressive, if I can put it that way. Yeah, don't be overly aggressive. That, that <laughs> That's never good. I think sometimes in our love for, for others, truly, and in our zeal to, to share our faith with them, it's possible to come across to, to someone like, like we're trying to straighten them out. And, you know, nobody wants to be straightened out. <laughs> uh, and we don't come to a Christmas gathering with, with the hope that somebody there is going to sort of put me in my place in, in, in terms of religion. I might need to be put in my place, but it's, I'm not going to be looking forward to it. As we do just in, on a human level, it's, it's good not to sort of over, over-inflate expectations about what's going to happen in a, 
particular feast or at a particular family celebration. If there's too many expectations about food or about the amount of gifts or something, you know, there's bound to be disappointment. So I think we want to look forward to these um, gatherings as an opportunity just to encounter people who, who we love and who the Lord loves. And uh, sometimes our relationships are, are a little strained or prickly. And again, I think it's these big occasions are, are not usually the, the time to kind of get all that ironed out. Maybe by God's grace, there, there's, there's a moment like that. But, you know, having been together, it might be possible, you know, in a, a week or two after Christmas to give somebody a call and say, you know, we, were, we didn't, really didn't have a chance to chat very much because there were so many people around or just I was busy preparing the food or, what, or what, whatever it, it might be. Would really like to catch up? Would you like to get together for a cup of coffee or take a walk or, or, or something? And, and then maybe there will be an opportunity in that, in that setting to share a little bit about your own faith or to, to listen to where somebody else is. I think almost everybody likes to be listened to, and, and particularly for, with folks that we don't see very often, it's, there's sometimes an opportunity to catch up, and we might really hear from someone else a, a challenge or a struggle or even a moment of faith or prayer that, that, we, that might surprise us. We can, can be of support simply by being there, but then maybe, maybe we see another another step that, that we can take as a result of that. Yeah, that's the beauty of moments like this because they become doorways, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the only time. It's just a doorway, possibly. And so if you're just kind of having your eyes and heart open, you, you just never know. Well, the, as we meditate on the birth of Jesus, we just think, well, okay, God started there. You, you, you know, in, in his... Uh, uh, becoming present uh, among us uh, as a man, but it, but he was just a baby, and there were all these years in Nazareth of of him growing up and and be preparing uh, for for his public ministry. But day by day, you couldn't really see what was happening or, or how how that was growing. That it reminds us of God's patience uh, with all of us and the patience that we need to adopt in our own life of faith, and also also as we would try to encourage the growth in faith for, for others who we know or who we, who we care about. There's also God's grace at work in ways that we can't see. I would just you know, offer this encouragement to maybe to parents or to, to others who will be gathering at, at, at Christmas time and maybe be somewhat disappointed at the practice of the faith of some people that they love so much or maybe it's not so, so visible. To, to continue to pray for them, to just let them know how much they're, they're loved and think maybe God has somebody else in mind who's going to lead them closer to Jesus. Maybe mm-hmm. I've done my part and, and someone else will, will be in their life at a different moment. It's humbling sometimes to think that we wouldn't be able to do that for somebody that we care about, but maybe we can, maybe we can't. We want to continue to want good for them and to, to want God's love for them. We can communicate that love ourselves as God himself does patiently, with, with humility. And then, and as I said, then we expect God to intervene with his grace at the moment that he sees it, it can be received. It's such an incredible time when you enter into literally the mystery of it all, the true experience of mystagogia, when we, we hear stories of shepherds and angels and magi coming from distant places and just the, the humility of God. You don't want to miss out because we get too busy to. I mean, you don't want to miss that wonderful time to ponder. 
It was a great time for prayer and meditation and quiet, if only you could get it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> have the time for, for, for some quiet. But the Christmas season goes on a while, and there are a number of feasts, you know, that, that we celebrate over a few days and weeks. Um, so the hope is that, that there will be a moment or two of, of, of reflection uh, for, for all of us. What we see, though, is that into a very busy and in some ways chaotic world, the Lord came. And he didn't wait for it all to get straightened out or for everybody to be settled down and quiet and paying attention. In the moment that he chose, he, he waded right into the, the chaos of, of the human experience. That should give us a lot of hope that he's ready to do that now. In my life, in my relationships, and in, in the world around us, which is upset and upsetting in a lot of ways, Jesus is with us. And what confuses us doesn't confuse him, and what, what makes us afraid or nervous doesn't make him afraid. He comes right in. And it's a, so it's a beautiful, quiet, humble feast, you might say, but also t- teaches a very powerful lesson about how God operates, not just way back then, but still. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us now, and we, we can encounter him, and he's not waiting to reveal himself until everything's tidy. It's quite an incredible time in the life of the Catholic Church, Christmas. Christmas Eve, Midnight Mass, the Mass of the Morning, even though Easter is, of course, the pinnacle of our liturgical celebrations and really our year, Christmas has this character to it where even the parish staff, I mean, they have to once again remember what the fire codes are. They have to remember how are we going to handle overflow and all the different people and where's the defibrillators. I, I don't mean to get in the minutiae of it, but the parish staff has to really be ready for what will become an incredible encounter with so many different people. Yeah, I hope we have overflow. You know, mm-hmm. that's a great problem. And there's nothing like, as far as I'm concerned, being packed in a church full of full of people. That's nothing to be afraid of. And we can we can deal with it. As you say, we have a lot of people who are planning to deal with this. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen by accident. You're right. It's a, in some ways a, um, a lesser feast than than the feast of Easter, which is really the sort of the pivotal moment of salvation, our uh, life in in Christ and in the Paschal mystery. But as far as I'm concerned, we should celebrate everything we can and. And this, of course, is uh, is also a turning point in in, in human history, the coming of, of God among us in uh, in the person of Jesus as a child. And it is a, a tremendous mystery, a source of great joy and consolation to us that God, looking upon a sinful world, uh, does not destroy it or condemn us to eternal death, but has has pity on us. And really, the message of Christmas is God so loved the world that he gave us his son. So that we accept him as our savior, we can have life in him, we can have life eternal. You have the charge of an incredible archdiocese and is huge in its scope. I mean, from small rural parishes to large metropolitan, as they might call them, mega churches, And yet each one has its own particular nature and a concern and on this Christmas what's your feelings about that if you don't mind me asking I mean quite a neat gift exactly my first reaction always is of gratitude to be able to be the diocesan pastor for such a beautiful local church as, as you describe it it's it's diverse and um, spread out so there there are people gathering in in large and small parish churches at, at Christmas to give thanks for the the gift of 
of Jesus our Savior. I can't be at all those places, of course, in my imagination, though I think about them and I think about the, the pastors and others who have, as you said, prepared you know, for the, the gathering of, of all these folks to celebrate this, this great feast. It's a beautiful thought, and I'm, and, and I'm really grateful. At the same time, I know that in parish communities, you know, we're struggling to move ahead on this journey of, of faith, to, to deal with uh, current realities. The reality of the world that we're living in now is different from what it was 100 years ago or, or 50 years ago. That means that the church, and, and that means us, we have to think in some different ways, respond in, in some different ways, uh, meet the Lord in some different, different situations. Uh, as I said before, though, we, should, we do this with confidence because we know that, that Jesus is not absent uh, from, from all of this. And even if we have to do some things differently or maybe even experience a loss in, in our parish, we're not losing the Lord and he's not turning his back on us. So I, I am grateful for, for the feast because I believe it gives us a joy and a hope in, in, in our current situation and the confidence that uh, the Lord is here. Yeah, we have such a great examples in, of course, Our Lady and her her trust, St. Joseph, the witnesses of Elizabeth and Zechariah, and just that journey that they had to make literally of faith from where they were. And it took them to places they didn't expect, but it wasn't necessarily, as we look back on it now, bad things. Things changed mm-hmm. for them. Yes, they w- were agreeing to, to the plan of God without knowing exactly how they were going to able to do it in all the details but if god was asking something of them they were going to do their best to to um to respond and so the the life of the holy family was not the life of a perfect family in the the way the world judges perfection so they didn't have a lot of money and they didn't have a decent place for the child to be born and and they faced persecution and had to flee all all of those things are part of their experience again i hope that gives us some encouragement to know that jesus isn't waiting to come into a family or to a situation that is all perfect and and tidy. He's not desiring for us to suffer or for our lives to to be upset, but we can find him there and then find our way through that, as you described, a journey from what's broken and and what's dark and and fearful to a a place of light and and peace if if we're focused on, on the Lord. It's the beautiful lesson of Mary, who's the first and best disciple of Jesus. At the announcement uh, made by the angel Gabriel, as soon as she realized what God's plan was for her, she set about focusing her life and her attention on on Jesus, on on his coming and then on on his life. That was her her focus. That's the the life of a disciple. We see it in a a most complete way in uh, in the life of Mary. Uh, Joseph did the same thing. He had plans, and he had, a, am sure, a thought about what his married life with, with Mary would be. The word of, of, of an angel in a dream, really, again, God as God communicated it to him, what his, what his plan was, uh, Joseph put aside his own plan and embraced the plan of God, which meant, again, focusing on, on Jesus and, and giving his life to protect and nurture the, the Son of God who, who was given to him, given, given to Mary as a uh, as a gift and and as as a responsibility. Well, you've led by example, Archbishop, in that reaching out, especially at times like this, to help tend to the needs of the poor, the those who are struggling. We have so many in this archdiocese uh, and throughout our entire area, and include Lincoln and Grand Island and 
parts of Iowa that try to help people when they they are suffering or they need care. And we're so blessed to have that as well, aren't we? Yeah, I, I don't get to do enough of that myself, if you ask me, but there are so many in our community who do, who are attentive, um, sometimes in quiet ways, sometimes in more organized ways, to, to the needs of, uh, of the poor. It's important for us to remember that Jesus came as a poor child into a poor family. That was, again, God's plan. So Jesus can be found there and wants to be found there and wants to make sure that we communicate uh, to our neighbors who might be struggling in, in some way that God loves them. And not in a, in a sort of a general or dispassionate way, but God loves them in a very particular way. They have practical needs, practical concerns, and to the extent that we can help meet those, we communicate the, the love of God to them, the incarnational love of God, we might say, so you know, the love for them in a very personal and, and human way. Recently in the church, we had a collection to help with the retirement and the care of, of our religious and for priests, and it's important that we remember them too. I, I have to give a, sh- a shout out for them. They deserve our love, don't they? Sure. I mean, everybody does, but we think just before Christmas, as you say, we have have the collection for the retired religious. All it's a it's a national collection, but there's always a generous response here in our area, uh, as we remember those who have served the church with with their lives and who have again because in their consecrated life have focused them their attention their their prayer their work on on Jesus Himself and on how they can lead others others to Him. It's a privilege to to express our gratitude to them and, and then to see that they have the care that they need as they. Older. We come to uh, the close of our conversation, especially as we approach the great celebration of Christmas. Any final thoughts, Archbishop? Uh, I wish a blessed Christmas to, to all who are listening. I encourage uh, us to take the coming of, of Jesus very personally. We remember his coming in Bethlehem a long time ago, but uh, we look for him as he reveals himself to us now. Uh, be confident that he is here. Uh, be confident of his love uh, for you uh, in your need, in in your sin, and your brokenness, in your joy. What's flourishing in your life, the Lord wants to be part of, of all of that. And uh, he uh, is looking for us to welcome him. That's r- really all it takes. Uh, he has a, a desire for a deeper relationship with us than we've experienced so far. And I, I pray that uh, during this Christmas season we'll will experience his presence in a more personal way. Thank you so much, Archbishop Lucas. Yes, thank you. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.